Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. This episode, we are going to be talking about the new Nick Cage movie, Dream Scenario, by Christopher Borgley. And this is going to be a really fascinating discussion. We're going to be talking about the strengths of the film. We're also going to be, going to be talking about the weaknesses of the film. And we're going to be using those strengths and weaknesses to understand one of the most important concepts in screenwriting, which is active main character. Now, most writers think their characters are active. But the truth is, we're often writing passive main characters unaware of why the characters are coming out, out passive. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at how to recognize if your main character is a passive main character. We're going to be looking at the effects of that, what that actually does to your movie and to your audience. And we're going to be talking about some ways to transform passive main characters into active ones as we look at Dream Scenario. So stay tuned. It's going to be a fun ride. One of the really interesting things about this film is if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter for Dream Scenario, you see something that doesn't happen very often. All the time, there are Rotten Tomato meters where you'll see, you know, the audience loves it and the critics hate it. But in this film, we actually have the opposite happening. 91% of critics love this film. But if you pop over to the audience score for Dream Scenario, only 68% of the audience liked the film. Now, that is a really interesting phenomenon, and we're going to be talking about exactly why. Now, if you look at the actual concept for Dream Scenario, it is totally fascinating. And this is part of the reason that the critics love it, right? Socio sociologically, politically, right? This film is taking on some huge concepts and saying some really interesting things. And quite frankly, from a Hollywood perspective, this film also has a really interesting hook. It has a great hook and a really clear execution of that hook. Not only that, it's got a stellar cast, Nicolas Cage, Julianne Nicholson, even Michael Serra's in it, right? It's got a fantastic cast. It's well-directed. It's well-performed. And it's fascinating. So why aren't audiences connecting the way that critics do? And this is so important because if you're a screenwriter and you've studied screenwriting in college or in grad school, or even if you've read books about screenwriting, there's a really good chance that those books are written by professors. They're written by critics, right? And it's important to understand that critics look at films in a different way than audiences do, than producers do. And it's important to understand the things that are actually important for the success of your film may be different than the things that are important for the critics to love it. And that, that doesn't mean you can't do all the things that the critics love. Sure, if you want to make a really fascinating, critically acclaimed, complicated film that does ask some really big questions about the world, yes, absolutely do that. But you also have to make sure your craft is perfect. And there's a tiny little craft issue 
in dream scenario that's getting in the way. So, so let's talk a little bit about it. And I want to warn you, there are going to be some spoilers ahead. So if you haven't yet seen the movie and you don't want it spoiled, you may want to kind of put this on pause for a second, watch the movie, and then come back to it. So at its core, dream scenario is looking at one of the primary sociopolitical problems of our day. It's looking at fame. Not only, it's, it's not just looking at fame, it's looking at the effects on our society, at the desire for fame. And, and to go even deeper, it's looking at the effects of our society, at the desire for fame for fame's sake, not for having accomplished something or done something or created something or pursued something. It's looking at the social phenomenon that we're having of people just going viral and suddenly becoming the most interesting person in the world without actually having done anything to earn it. And it's looking at all the social and political fallout of that. And not only that, the emotional, psychological fallout of that. So it's looking at all this through the character played by Nicolas Cage of Paul Matthews. And Paul Matthews is potentially the most boring man in the world. He is saccharinely sweet, but a little too much. He has some very interesting theories about biology. In fact, he's a tenured professor. But he's never actually sat down and written his book the one that he conceived back when he was in grad school, right? He hasn't actually done anything in his life. And when we meet him, we meet him in a kind of fascinating way, right? In, in the very first image of the movie, he is in his daughter's dream. And really weird stuff is happening. Things are falling from the sky and he's just not doing anything. He's just kind of standing there raking leaves while all this crazy stuff is happening around it. His daughter reports it the next morning. We start to see the insecurity of this character, right? He's upset because he's not doing anything in his daughter's dream. He wishes, he has his desire that his daughter would dream him in a more active way where he's actually reacting. And it's, of course, a reflection of a genuine insecurity of him and wanting to be meaningful, but it's also a reflection of him not wanting to see his own character psychologically, right? Because the character he is in his daughter's dream is the character he is in the world, right? He's a guy who's not pursuing anything. He's a passive main character in his own life. And if you're a writer, of course, you've had that experience of wondering if you're a passive main character in your life, right? All of us, all of us, you know, because just the nature of the beast of being a writer is we have more ideas that we can express in a lifetime, right? That more stories than we can tell in a lifetime that we want to tell. And a lot of us have internal blocks, right? The internal block of, did I squander it? Did I wait too long? Have I not pursued it for the full strength of my being, right? Have I not actually gone for my dream and all the anxiety around that? And then we have the, the other 
side of it, the block of not yet having the craft to actually accomplish the big vision that you have, right? And needing to develop that craft and feeling behind, right? All writers have felt the feeling that Paul feels, that Nicolas Cage's character. We've all felt that, right? Maybe I'm being a passive main character in my own life. Maybe I'm not actually going for the things that I want. Maybe I'm just sitting there while other people have the experiences, right? So we meet a character who's in this incredibly anxious place. He hasn't actually done anything. And he has a desire. The Paul that we meet in the movie has a very strong desire. You see, his old colleague from back in grad school has written a book about ants. And that book about ants is based on a theory that the two of them discussed that supposedly, at least from Paul's perspective, he came up with back in grad school. And of course, it's 30 years later, but he is really upset that his colleague is now publishing the book that he was meant to write, even though he has not even started to write it. And he's arranged a meeting with her. And before the meeting, we watch him secretly set up his cell phone to record her. And his goal is to confront her and convince her to give him credit on her book. All he wants in the world is credit. And you can see how even this action is a reflection, right, of this larger societal problem that the writer is trying to explore, right? This larger societal problem of wanting credit without doing the work. Wanting to go super famous just for having a great idea, just for being you, right? Wanting to catch that thing that just happens to some people in our crazy social media influenced world where people who have not actually done very much suddenly become on everybody's mind. So this is what the character wants. And of course, he is not the most effective man, and this goes completely, completely wrong, and he he fails to get her to admit anything, and in fact, the, but the opposite happens. She kind of confronts him for not having done anything, right? And by the end of it, he's begging and pleading and making a fool out of himself, right? And so we meet a character who, even though he's a sad sack, even though he's a very ineffective character, he's actually an active character. Even though he is not actually writing his book, from a structural perspective, he is driving his own story forward. But then a really interesting thing happens, which is exactly what happens in social media, right? Without having earned it, without having chosen it, without having made a new choice, without having done anything, Suddenly, Paul ends up not just in his daughter's dreams, but in the dreams of everyone. Suddenly, everyone in the world is dreaming of Paul Matthews, is dreaming of this incredibly boring man. Suddenly, Paul Matthews has gone viral, but not on the internet. He's gone viral in people's minds. Now, you can see that this, from a Hollywood perspective, even for a smaller film like this, this is a fantastic premise, right? It's got a great hook. 
you hear it and you instantly go, oh, that sounds interesting. I want to watch that. So from a commercial perspective, it's got a great hook. From an execution perspective, that hook is well executed, which we'll talk about. And from an acting perspective, it's got a fantastic cast. But it also has a challenge, which is that instead of the movie happening by Paul Matthews, the movie starts to happen to Paul Matthews. Now, part of this is baked into the premise, right? Part of this is the fundamental problem of the piece, right? Is he can't have earned his way into people's brains. He can't have earned his way into people's dreams. Because the sociopolitical issue that the writer wants to look at is this instant fame that people are achieving in our society. And what are the effects of that? And how does that feed a really complicated, messed up engine that is messing up our entire world, right? The advertising engine, right? And so sometimes you have a premise that gets in the way of the primary concepts of structure, right? Structurally, what we want is we want a character making choices, driving their own world, driving the effects on the, of the world, right? We want them going on a journey that changes who they are or in which they fail to change, right? But we want to feel like the movie happens by the main character, not to the main character. And in this case, the premise takes a guy who was really active at the beginning, right? Trying to get credit and suddenly propels him onto a conveyor belt that's going to carry him through the rest of the film. And this is what's really interesting. Your, your professor, unless they're really good, unless they're really experienced is probably a better way to say it, is not going to notice that. Because your professor is going to be fascinated by what the film is saying by its sociopolitical ramifications, by your beautiful dialogue, right? And unless they're really trained in structure rather than film theory, they're going to miss that. They're going to miss that when the character's on a conveyor belt, the audience is going to stop caring. Because as fascinating as your intellectual ideas may be, the audience isn't coming except for a very small percentage who are film professors. And not enough, there are not enough film professors in the world to allow your movie to make money. Except for that very small group that's coming for the ideas. Most of your audience is coming for an emotional experience. And that means we need to latch on to a character and care about them. And it is really hard to care about a character on a conveyor belt. We want to care about a character who's trying to get off that conveyor belt, who's trying to make his own choices. And the writer is aware of this and, in fact, attempts to solve the problem. So here's what happens. Nicolas Cage, Paul Matthews, goes from being a literal nobody to becoming the most interesting man in the world, as Michael Sarah is going to say to him, right? Michael Sarah plays an ad exec 
from, of course, a company called Thoughts, right? Which it's very unclear exactly what they do, but essentially they're in advertising. And all he wants is to work with Nicolas Cage, to work with Paul Matthews. That is all he wants in the world. But of course, he's not interested in Paul's book about ants that Paul hasn't even written. He's not interested in biology. He's not interested in helping Paul pivot, <laughs> right? He's interested in Paul as an influencer, right? The best kind of influencer. What if an influencer could get into your dreams? You don't even have to watch Facebook. And so what does he want? He wants Paul to sell Sprite. He wants Paul to try to get into people's dreams with Sprite, right? To try to get the idea of Sprite into people's dreams, which of course is exactly what our entire influencer world is built to do, right? Is to take somebody you like, whether you like them for good reasons or bad reasons or no reasons, or they're just famous, take somebody that makes you go yes and connect them to a product and allow that product to start to feel like it's part of your identity, right? That's how our commercial society is built. And so you can see, again, from a critical perspective, this film is making a fascinating choice. And they're trying to get the main character to have a want because what Paul ends up doing is saying, no, I don't want to sell Sprite. I want my book. I want help getting my book out there. Right? And this seems like a pivot to active main character. And in fact, in most characters, it would be. But in this character, it's not. And let me tell you why. This main character still is not going to write his book. He's not going to struggle with writing his book. He's not going to think about writing his book and failing. Right? So what actually is happening is the character is not pursuing a want He's pursuing a want not, right? And this is one of the places where I see screenwriters make the same mistake again and again and again and again and again. Th confusing a want not with a want. And intellectually, we understand that a want not is a want. But emotionally, it's very hard to connect with a character who's a want not. We connect with characters who want that. This, yes, right? We connect with characters who are actively pursuing choices. So what ends up happening is rather than the main character, Nicolas Cage's character, Paul Matthews, driving the scene, the character who actually ends up driving the scene is Michael Sarah's character, Trent, right? It's actually the ad guy who is driving the scene rather than the main character because he's the one who has the strong want which is to work with this annoying guy and what ends up happening is the structure of the piece when a secondary character hijacks the scene away from your main character we the audience not on a conscious level we're not analyzing it but we the audience start to disconnect to the main character we the audience start to feel like the main character is on a conveyor belt rather than driving the action forward so what's interesting is that Nick Cage's character 
does have a want. His want is to be active in people's dreams. So there's this wonderful scene before he meets with the ad executive. He's just started to infiltrate the dreams of many people. And he's just started to realize that I think a lot of people are dreaming about me. And people are just starting to make that connection. And we've met Nick Cage. We've met uh, Paul Matthews at his you know, teaching job. And we've seen how completely uninterested the students are in anything he has to say. And suddenly, he shows up at class, and he's an influencer. Suddenly, there are kids in that class who are not even enrolled in that class, right? Suddenly, everybody wants Paul Matthews. And this is wonderful for Paul. In fact, Paul, who before just wanted to get the students interested in biology, suddenly just wants all the kids to share their stories, right? And this is an example of Paul being an active main character. Share your stories, right? But it's still challenging to feel the structure. It's still challenging to feel because all they want to do is talk about his stories, right? So even though we have the want, one of the things that's really important to feel a character being active, we need to feel the want pushing against the obstacle, right? But it's extremely challenging because he just got what he wanted and what he wants from the group who've come to watch him is the same thing they want to give him. Luckily, another obstacle comes up, which is in all of their dreams. He's not doing anything, which of course is fascinating, right? Because it's who he is. It's his central problem is he wants to be rewarded. He wants credit. He wants to be treated as if he's achieved his potential without actually doing it, without actually learning it, without actually doing the work. He wants just the idea to be enough. And of course it's not. But suddenly it is, right? Suddenly the idea is enough. Suddenly, they don't even need the idea. Everyone loves him for just standing around in their dreams. They feel great about him for just standing around innocuously in their dreams, for not doing anything. Suddenly, everybody in the world is in love with Paul. And here we have the want. The want is he wants to be active in people's dreams. The challenge is, again, structurally, is that the the writers don't come up with a way that he tries to get active. He has a want to get active, but he's not trying, which is the next thing you need to understand. So we need a want. The want needs not to be a, a want not. It needs to be a want towards, right? I want to be active, but also the character needs to make choices that pursue it. Those, those choices don't have to work. They don't have to make sense. But the character has to try. Because if the character is not trying, we can't feel their want, right? Now, again, somebody could argue, hey, Jake, the whole conception of the piece is that the main character doesn't pursue any of his wants. But that means that you are climbing the hardest possible hill, and that's exactly what's happening in Dream Scenario, right? The scenario is brilliant. But the structure is hard to feel. 
And the effect is that even though your mind is stimulated, your heart is not. And the effect of that is it becomes hard to care. And that's why you see a 68% on audience and a 91% on critics. Because the critics are coming for the intellectual stimulation. The audience wants their heart moved. If you happen to move their intellect as well, that's great. They will love you for that. If you think of a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once that does both, if you do both, you will be greatly rewarded. But if you do intellect without emotion, it is really hard to make your audience care. Okay. So what happens to Paul Matthews, instead of starting to drive his own desire to get active, what happens instead is once again, his dream is given to him. It begins when for no reason, for no effort, for no choice, uh, the super hot assistant from the ad firm, from Thoughts, admits that her dream about him was different. In her dream, they had sex and it was hot. So what's happened is the character has been given his want without even making stupid choices to try to get it, right? Nothing Nothing from him has moved the story forward. Rather, he's been put back on a conveyor belt where the dreams, the external world, is starting to change around him and he's reacting to it. And he's put in a moral conundrum, which again is an opportunity to activate the main character, but, but the main character doesn't get active. So here's his conundrum. He's married and she's hot and she's flirting with him. But the character is so on the fence about whether he wants to be with her or not that he's not really pursuing her. He's just kind of letting her direct him. And the result is the exact same thing that happens with Trent, the ad guy. Nick Cage is no longer driving the scene. Instead, hot, sexy assistant is driving the scene. And again, he's neither acting his want nor his want not. He's not making strong choices to avoid cheating on his wife, but he's also not making strong choices to cheat on his wife. Rather, he is getting driven by the sexy assistant and he's letting it happen. And like everything else he does in the world, messing it up. He can't even just approach her the way that she wants, right? He ends up having a little bit of a premature ejaculation issue. Nothing works. He's a total disappointment to her. And of course, he's ashamed. He feels ashamed. But even out of this, no choices are made, right? No real structure is built because the character, once again, is on a conveyor belt. The world is changing. His role is changing. It's become a sexy role. That seems great, but it's more of what he wants, right? And he's not making any choices to make that happen. And he's not making any choices in relation to that. He's being driven by the main character. The scene is once again getting hijacked. 
And I want to amplify, it's not that it's wrong to write this way. This happens in real life sometimes, right? This film feels real as you watch him. It's not that this doesn't happen. It's that it's hard to root for passive main characters. It's hard to root for passive main characters in movies, but I think it's also important to recognize it's hard to root for passive main characters in life. It's hard to root for yourself if you're being a passive main character. And I really want you to think about that because are you being Nicolas Cage, his character, not the actor, right? Are you being Paul Matthews? Are you trying to let the conveyor belt of life reward your talent and your potential? Are you waiting for the situation to change where you can finally have your dream? Or are you being an active main character in your life? Are you making choices? Are you making hard choices? Are you making new choices? Are you growing? Are you pursuing your dreams or are you hoping your dreams come to you? Because if you start pursuing your dreams, and what's so interesting, it doesn't matter if you get them. When you start pursuing your dreams, you will notice, number one, you start to root for yourself. That suddenly you are a more attractive main character to you because you're making choices that feel like forward momentum that feel like they're in pursuit of your dreams, not kind of in pursuit of your dreams, not, well, if it happens, not, well, if the situation gets better, not, well, if I have enough money or if I have enough time, right? No, I'm doing it. You'll start to root for yourself. Number two, you'll notice that other people start to root for you, right? That suddenly there are fans who love you. That suddenly there are people who want to help you get where you're going. Because everyone connects to an active main character. So I want to amplify, it's not wrong in your life and it's not wrong in a movie to write a character like, it's just really hard. It's so hard to root for them. It's so hard to care about them. It's so hard to be emotionally affected by them. We all want to be that person who's pursuing their dreams. Those are the people that we fall in love with, right? Not in the, oh, they're famous, right? But in their oh, I respect them, I admire them. And what's wonderful is, just like in a movie, right? the harder it gets, the more we root for them. The more mistakes they make, the more we root for them. The more bad choices they make, which you're gonna make bad choices as you pursue a dream, right? Because you only learn by doing, right? The more bad choices they make, the more we root for them, right? That... The journey of change is actually what allows us to connect. All right, so if we come back to Paul, he's on a conveyor belt, right? Now the conveyor belt's getting good, but he's still on a conveyor belt and the scenes are still being hijacked by the characters around him. Then everything changes. Instead of having sexy dreams about Paul, instead of having dreams where Paul's just kind of hanging around and feels good, people start to have nightmares about Paul. People start to have vivid dreams of being horrifically murdered by Paul. And what happens is now the writers, again, it's so fascinating, right? Now the writer is taking on cancel culture, right? Taking on the idea that one day you were the greatest person in the world and now suddenly everybody hates you. 
everybody hates you. And I don't want to uh, politically suggest, there are some people who deserve to be canceled, right? But Paul Matthews in this movie does not. <laughs> Paul Matthews, the actual Paul Matthews didn't do anything. All this just happened. And suddenly he's being blamed. And conceptually, again, this is brilliant as a way of looking at a social problem. But it's really challenging as a dramatic story. It's really challenging because once again, he didn't make a choice to change it. He didn't invoke the magic. He didn't do anything that created the change. In fact, the change just happened. And there's this wonderful scene. He gets hunted by himself, which is really wonderful little dream sequence. It's brilliantly done. But even that doesn't happen through him. It happens to him. And the result is that even though so many fascinating things are happening, the writer is filled with so many fascinating ideas and the execution is superb. It's still hard to care until finally the character does something again. He decides to finally do the thing he said he was never going to do, which is he's going to apologize. And we finally get a scene we can care about where we get to see his apology, which starts off so authentic, right? He's now experienced it. He's been hunted by himself. He now understands why people hate him. But of course, because he's him, is so self-serving. And it's wonderful. It's a real choice. And he gets punished for it. But also, things continue to happen to him. But they don't happen by him. So this is the thought I want to leave you with. It is wonderful to attempt a film that breaks all the rules. And I think with a couple of tweaks, even a complicated, challenging film with a character who is by nature passive, like Nick Cage's character in Dream Scenario, I think it can still pluck our heartstrings. But to have a character who's not primarily active is one of the most challenging forms of writing that you can do. And it means your craft needs to be perfect. And it means you need to look at the piece and look for every single opportunity for the character to get active. Even if their dominant trait is passivity, even if their dominant trait is not making choices, you have to think about, okay, what are the obstacles? How do I push them to make a choice that they don't want to make? right? How do I, how do I create the feeling that at least they are in some way involved or invoking or causing the things happening to them? Because we don't want to feel like the movie happens to our main character. We want to make sure it happens by them. We don't want to feel like our character is going no. We want to feel like our character is going yes. And of course, this is the same thing I want you to think about in your life. If you have a, I don't want driving you, the chances are, if you know structure, whatever the character doesn't want needs to manifest in the movie. Well, the same thing is true in life, right? If you are moving away from what you don't want, you are literally invoking what you don't want at every moment, right? And this is true as a filmmaker. Well, but I don't want him to make choices, right? That concept getting stuck on it, right? is actually invoking the problem, 
rather than going like, I want to get creative about how can an active character still reflect the problem of our society of being rewarded without dessert. And you'll suddenly think, realize there are a million things that Nick Cage could do that Paul Matthews could do in relation to his newfound fame. That would be new wants that would, of course, grow up as a person who's suddenly the most famous person in the world. There are a million things that he could start to pursue without surfacing things, right? Without pursuing his real dream, right? There are a million ways to get it activated. And, and the same thing is true in life, right? Once you let go of the thing you don't want and say, okay, well, screw that. Let's pretend I just waved a magic wand. And suddenly the thing that you don't want was impossible. It was absolutely impossible. So impossible that it couldn't affect your life anymore. Well, ask yourself, what would I want then? And you'll start to notice that suddenly it becomes easier to be an active main character. But not only that, it becomes easier to live a life or write the life of a character that is not controlled by what is not wanted, but rather is leading towards the thing that is wanted. And you will notice both for your characters and yourself, no matter how big the obstacles, in fact, the bigger the obstacles, the better. That as you start to take those steps towards what you want against huge, seemingly insurmountable obstacles, that you start to root for yourself, that you start to root for your characters, that other people start to root for you, that suddenly a new level of empathy and growth occurs. We think as writers that it's the end that we're building to, but it's actually the process that gives us a feeling of structure both in our movies and in our lives. So I hope this podcast was helpful for you. If you'd like to study more with us, we have incredible programs all online that pair you with incredible professional writers who will meet with you every week or every other week and mentor you through your entire career, as well as classes at all different levels from professional to brand new beginners, and a Thursday Night Rights program for free every Thursday night where you can come check us out. So come, hang out, become a part of our community. Link in bio. Check out our website, writeyourscreenplay.com.